the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Wait a minute. Wait, wait just a minute. Can it be Saturday? Yeah, it can be Saturday. Can it be Saturday all day? Yes, please. Can it please be Saturday all day? It, it can, it is, and uh, this is Piero Pelka. This is the kickoff of Saturday's live radio adventure on the Blaze Radio Network. I am pleased to be the first toe in the water. I, I love that. I've always had this predilection, this desire to kick off everything I'm involved in. For example, when I play golf, there's nothing better than being the first person or the first group off the tee in the morning. There's nothing better. When you ski, I used to love nothing better than to be the first person down the slope in the morning, to be the first set of tracks cutting through the snow. I know, I know. It's, it's, I'm sure it says something about me. But uh, I, I love being the, the lead-in on today's program, followed by, of course, the gifted, the talented, the wonderful Jeff Fisher. And Jeffy will be here right after this show. We will say some things to mock and cajole Jeffy right up until his show starts. So that's part of it. Uh, I, I've got uh, a weird buffet today. I, w- I was looking at the stories I had lined up at about 4.30 this morning, and I'm scratching my head going, this is like walking into a brunch buffet and seeing pizza slices and sushi next to the carrot cake. It just didn't make any sense. And yet, that may be the answer. That may be the overriding statement. It just doesn't make any sense. Today, today there's so much that just doesn't make any sense. And I have firm reliance on the man upstairs that eventually it will all come together and make sense. I'm just saying. Yeah, we're keeping an eye on everything overseas. Uh, Things are going on as planned in Hamburg. Uh, Thank God the New York City mayor has ditched a morning city after a cop was assassinated to go hang out with the protesters. Thank God Bill de Blasio... By the way, de Blasio translates into douchebag. I'm just saying. I checked it. That's actually the origin of the name de Blasio. The fact that a family of a New York City officer, a mother, and the entire ranks of the NYPD is in mourning, and this idiot is over in in Europe. It's all about 2020 for Bill de Blasio. He thinks he's headed to a bigger stage. He sees the Democratic Party in disrepair and and totally confused as to where it's going. And he saw what Bernie Sanders did with his progressive socialist leanings in the last election. And de Blasio thinks he can rally that support. So trust me, that's what's going on in his head. A lot to talk about today, just a whole bunch to talk about today. And some of it has no basis on today. It might have a historical context. It might have 
It might have some projected future lesson hidden within it, but there is, uh, there's no way to look at today and go, well, that makes sense, and that flows into that. Yeah, sure, go ahead and do that. So I'm just going to dive in, and I welcome you to join in my madness today. I welcome you to join in my lack of coherent direction. Hopefully coherent thoughts will exist within the segments, but the direction, the things, the places I'm going may not exactly follow, flow logically from one to the next. Uh, So I feel it incumbent upon me to warn you about that. So just just enjoy the ride. But again, you can join the conversation at 888-900-3393-888-900-3393. Corby's pushing buttons in Dallas. Martin's on the phones. We will uh, all solve it together. Now, the last couple days here in, in the great state of Delaware, the tiny state of Delaware, have been hot and humid. There's no other way around it. Hot and humid. And this morning I got up and uh, headed to my little studio in the woods of Arden, Delaware. And there was a noticeable change in temperature, a slight dip in humidity. It was actually in the 60s when I got up and went out the door this morning. The last three days it's been in the 70s and in some cases the upper 70s. Very uncomfortable. Days that would make me say, Oh no, global warming is happening. I must do something. I must hurry up and buy a Tesla before the world melts down. Well, on the subject of this, I am am trying to figure out if I'm crazy or not when when I appear to have unmasked more fake news from CNN. And here's what I'm talking about. CNN has spent, oh gosh, untold time on the story of, of the, um, the Larson ice shelf. Are you familiar with the Larson ice shelf? The Larson ice shelf is um, a long, long ar- Arctic chunk of ice in the northwest part of the Weddell Sea that extends from the east coast of the I'm sorry, Antarctic, not Arctic, Antarctic Peninsula. It's big, named for Captain Carl Larsen, who, uh, who's a, a, a Norwegian legend on the high seas. They discovered this area, this ice, back in the uh, late 1800s, 1893 to be exact. And so they called this the Larsen, Larsen Ice Shelf. And... Um, We've been talking about the Larson Ice Shelf breaking up and, and chipping off uh, glacier-sized or gigantic-sized icebergs since the 1990s. And th- so we have set up, we being the world, has set up cameras and observation posts on the Larson Ice Shelf since uh, the early part of this century. And it produces some pretty dramatic footage when you see a chunk of ice the size of a small state break off and become an iceberg. I believe they call it calving, like giving birth to a calf. 
Now, there's a giant chunk of the Larson ice shelf that is uh, just about to chip off. The size of the uh, Larson ice shelf is so big, it's as big as, if not slightly bigger, than the state of Delaware from, from which I am broadcasting this morning. They've been watching this crack in the, in the Larson ice shelf for weeks and weeks and weeks now. Somewhere between seven and nine miles long, this, this crack. And they figure if it snaps off, if it snaps off, which they think it will because it's, the crack uh, is accelerating, and they're going to call this the Larson Sea Iceberg, that it's going to then uh, go adrift in the Antarctic. And every bit of reporting I'm hearing from CNN about this gigantic slice of the Larson ice shelf that's going to chip off, they keep talking about it. It holds the same amount of water as Lake Michigan. And I'm like, okay, that's a bunch of water. I lived in Chicago. I've stood on the banks of Lake Michigan. I've been in the waters of Lake Michigan and marveled at the size of it. And then I started thinking, you know, what would it do? Because, you know, that's the, the thing we always hear from people is that once, once the, the global warming is engaged to the point where we can't stop it, the icebergs will melt, the seas will rise, and we'll all drown like the dinosaurs died after the, the earth was hit by meteors. That we're all going to drown, or we'll all be gathered on some mountaintop somewhere, huddled together, the seven billion of us on the planet, fighting for food and space, and uh, it's, it's kooky talk, I know. So I started wondering, but something the size of the state of Delaware... A giant ice cube the size of the state of Delaware? What happens if that breaks off into the ocean? What does that do? Does it force the waters to rise suddenly? Well, isn't that ice already technically in the ocean? You're just kind of relocating it? Isn't? Isn't that giant chunk of ice currently sitting in the Antarctic Ocean? It's just now being broken off? Yeah, I, I think that's the reality here. And if someone's a, 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 an oceanographic scientist, uh, somebody can clarify this further, please tell me I'm wrong. But it seems to me that, first of all, all this, all this panic, all this drama over this calving of a giant chunk of ice, yeah, it's pretty spectacular to see something the size of a state get cracked off of a giant piece of ice and then slide into the water. But to talk about how much water it holds, to talk about the fact that, that this, this piece of ice chipping away from the Larson ice shelf, it holds the same amount of water as Lake Michigan. Does that mean if we were capable, if Superman were here and Superman could scoop up the ice and drop it in Lake Michigan, Lake Michigan would be twice, twice the size it is now and it would overflow its banks? Well, maybe. I liken it to putting a, an ice cube in a drink that's pretty much full already. Well, what if we took it and we dropped it 
Oh, I don't know, out west in uh, an area where a, a lake has shrunken in size over the years. What if we put it somewhere that needed water? What if we put it in, in sub-Saharan Africa or in the Sahara? What if we created this new oasis from this, this giant chunk of ice? What, would that create another great lake? Uh, we need to talk about that. There's some more on this. And I wondered the effects of this, because that's the, one of the things we always hear is, it's going to melt, it's going to melt, it's going to melt, it's going to raise the seas and flood us all out. How much water does Lake Michigan hold, and how much water do the oceans of the world hold? We'll investigate. We'll tell you the real story next on Pure Opelka. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Opelka with Mike Opelka. So the discussion today, the discussion began this morning about the Larson ice shelf and a giant piece of ice. Hey man, look at that piece of ice. That piece of ice that's about to break off. And the environmentalists are sounding the alarm bells. This is terrible. This is the end of the world as we know it. It's the size of the state of Delaware. It could, it could signal the end of times. Yeah, this giant iceberg that is going to crack off pretty soon. It'll, we should be able to watch this. It'll be very cool to watch. And there will be myriad videos with hand-wringing attached with tearful narrations about the coming end times. We live on a planet that is covered 72% with water in various forms. Salt water, fresh water. 97% of that 72%, 97% of that 72% is ocean water. So we do have a considerable amount of ocean water on the planet. And according to LiveScience.com, the people that give us uh, numbers on such things, people who are much smarter than I. There is 1.33 billion cubic kilometers of water on the planet. Well, let, let, let's break it down to cubic miles. I don't like the metric. I know. I'm a, I'm a Neanderthal. There is existing today roughly 326 million cubic miles of water. And that's uh, according to some people who know about stuff like this. The U.S. Geological Survey has given us that estimation. 326 million cubic miles of water. Hmm, that's a lot of water, right? A whole bunch of water. 
Now, if, if the water in the Great Lake Michigan were suddenly added to the oceans of the world, would that force the oceans of the world to suddenly lap up over the banks that we see now? Would that force Miami to suddenly be three feet underwater? What would that do to the people living along uh, Malibu and the coasts of California? Would San Diego suddenly find its harbor underwater? What would happen? Well, I, I certainly think it would be uh, a good thing for anybody who's in the boating business, if that's the effect it would have. But I have to tell you, I've done the math, or at least the little machine inside my smartphone has done the math. And if you were to drop Lake Michigan into the oceans of the world, what would it do? Well, it wouldn't have that big of an effect, you see. Because Lake Michigan is 1,180 cubic miles of water. 1,180 cubic miles of water. The planet, according to estimates, according to estimates by the United States Geological Survey, is 326 million cubic miles of water. So if you are standing there with 326 million dollars and you're next to a person who has $1,180 and that person gave you their money, how much... How much does that affect your wealth? What kind of an increase in your wealth would it be? What kind of, see where I'm going here, right? If I have $326 million and someone hands me $1,180, I'm happy for the increase. Thanks very much for the money. However, here's the reality. That increase represents point zero 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 three six percent of an increase now what do you think it's a tear in the salted seas of the earth if we are to drop lake michigan an iceberg off of antarctica into the ocean so for anyone who's worried that this, this calving of this gigantic iceberg is going to suddenly cause the seas to rise and flood the streets in Miami and force people to seek higher ground in Galveston, Texas, and possibly force small islands in Tonga to be overrun with water. No. No. Point zero, 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 zero. 369 percentage increase. Now, there is a danger. There is a danger with this gigantic iceberg falling off. And I'll explain it to you because th there is a danger, but it's something we can deal with. I'll explain next on Pure Opelka.
You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. By the way, it is Saturday morning. It's the bottom of the first hour. I've checked the world. The world did not blow up. There's some interesting takes on what's happening between Hamburg, Germany, the G20, Russia, and then North Korea, and eventually China. Some very interesting takes, and we'll get into that. But seriously, the the world's still here. Unless you're CNN, and then you're thinking, my God, my God, there's a giant iceberg about to melt, break off, and flood the planet. Oh, no, we're all going to die. And I started looking at the story and looking deeper into the story, the Larson Ice Shelf, and this giant chunk of ice, which, yes is the size of the state of Delaware in area. And according to estimates, it's also got the same amount of water as Lake Michigan, one of the Great Lakes. And uh, 1,180 cubic miles of water is the estimate. Now, that's a lot of water. But it literally is a tear in the salted sea of 326 million miles of water on the face of the earth. 326 million miles versus uh, 1,180. Do the comparison. When, when I think of icebergs, too, I, I also think, well, they don't, they don't chop off from the mother ice and then suddenly melt no, it takes time. That's why you have icebergs floating around the ocean. And the, the bigger the piece of ice, the longer it takes to melt, obviously. The, the cold of the gigantic chunk of ice allows it to retain some of its original size for a greater period than if it, if it had been shaved ice thrown into the ocean, which would melt almost instantly. So... I don't I don't think uh I don't think we have any great worry about suddenly the waters rising to the point where we're all fighting for the top of a high rise in Miami or or the top of a hill in San Diego out west. We should be aware of what the heck's going on. Why not? But if it's if it's not going to have the dramatic effect then then we should all just calm down a little bit. I don't agree with the panic over climate change, nor do I agree with the fact that we, man, are the sole answer or the sole cause of what's happening in the climate. Do we affect climate change? Yeah, I think it's smart for us to be good stewards of the planet. I think it's important, imperative of us, not to make a mess in our own backyard. Even the people who are thrown out on those islands on shows like Survivor know that the first thing they have to do when they set up camp is to agree to where their, where their garbage is going to go. 
Where are you going to put all that garbage? And where are you going to put all that human waste? So it's just a normal thing to be concerned about it, but to be obsessed about it to the point where so many in the left are. It's, it's, uh, it's kooky. And it's also not being honest. And I give you another example. Oh, oh I, I did say before the break, I was going to talk about the other danger of this, uh, of this chunk falling off the Larson ice shelf. Well, when it falls off, when that chunk of ice falls off, it, it slides into an area that is known for shipping. And so there's the danger, is uh, a, bunch of, a bunch of shipping lanes will now have to be attuned to watching whatever's going on with, um, with this giant chunk of ice. But I would figure you could spot an iceberg from a long ways away. And I'm sure they must have some kind of sonar technology that alerts them or satellite imagery, satellite tracking that says, okay, keep your eyes on this. So we are, we are hoping, we're hoping that cooler heads will prevail. But as we hope that cooler heads will prevail, then we come upon Bill Nye, the guy. Bill Nye was on with Tucker Carlson recently and uh, talking about climate change. Uh, Bill Nye can't really, can't really answer simple questions on climate change. And I, I'm dubious of Bill Nye anyway. I looked at you know his show that's on Netflix, Bill Nye Saves the Earth or whatever the hell it's called. One of the people he's hired is um, a comedian. So the writers he's hiring are, are comedians. That uh, Arguello was her name, the woman who uh, talked about doing horrible things to the president and then suddenly decided to delete her, her tweet, but we called her on it. But so he's hired comedians to write his show. And you know about the song he had in the first episode that was so disgusting. But Bill Nye, the not-so-science guy, was talking to Tucker Carlson about climate change. And Tucker had, I thought, a very good question that Bill Nye, the not-so-science guy, could not answer. To what degree is climate change caused by human activity? Is 100% of climate change is caused by human activity? Is it 74.3%? It's settled science. Please tell us to what degree human no, so, activity... So that's a great question, right? The, the line is always, it's settled science. All of you science deniers, it's settled science. Man is causing climate change. But Tucker gives Bill Nye some room here and says, to what degree? Bill Nye can't answer. Sure. Uh, so the word degree is a word that you chose. But the speed that climate change is happening is caused by humans. Instead of happening on timescales of right. millions of years, or let's say 15,000 years, it's happening on a timescale of decades, and now years. Now, you know, I offered... Uh, wait, 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 but hold on, hold on. But to, no, what, no. I mean, to, to what extent is human activity responsible for speeding that up? I mean, please be 100%. more precise If that's the number you want. Being. Humans are so causing it to happen changed. catastrophically fast. 
Okay, so at what rate would it have changed without human activity? And well, you, you look annoyed order. that I'm asking these questions, but they're very basic questions. They're okay, not denial. So without human activity, how long would it have taken for us to reach this level of warmth in our climate? Uh, it's not clear that it would have happened. In other words, humans have changed the climate so drastically that we have almost certainly avoided another ice age. There would have been another ice age. Ain't gonna happen because of you and me. So uh, the sooner we get and to we work know on that this problem, when, the problem. When would it have happened? When would the next ice age have happened? Yeah. Is that I'm your saying, question? Without I'm human activity, what would the what would the process look? Here's the point that I. Bill Nye says, I claim that's irrelevant. Now, here's, here's part of the problem with Bill Nye, the not-so-scientific guy. Bill Nye's saying, I claim that's irrelevant, talking about the next Ice Age and when it would have happened. That's Tucker Carlson's question. The, the, the problem with Bill Nye claiming that's irrelevant is that he's the one who brought it up. He's the one who said, but for human activity we would have been in the middle of another ice age. So all Tucker Carlson says, or wants to know, is when would that have been, sir? When would that ice age have been? Now, I, as a child of the, of the 1960s, I can tell you growing up, there was a time when we were all told, there's an ice age coming, we better get ready for it, we're never gonna be warm again. So was it the 60s? Is that when it happened? You think somebody would have briefed Bill Nye on this, but he's, he's claiming that point is irrelevant. This a little fun goes on. Viewers can understand, I'm merely calling into question your claim that all of this is settled, that, the well, that we know precisely what is happening and why, and that anyone who asks pointed questions about it is a denier and ought to be imprisoned or shouted off the stage. No, that was your word. That's, you guys, that's not, my, that's not my claim, and I really... That's not my claim. Tucker Carlson said, you, Bill Nye, are the guy who said anybody who denies what we're telling, anyone who dares to challenge our theory on climate change is a denier and needs to be shouted down or, or put in jail. And he says, no, no, that's your word. That's it, you guys. That's not my claim. Oh, really, Bill? Would you, like me to, would, would you like me to read your quote? That people who disagree with you ought to potentially go to jail? You said that. Okay. And I'm just saying, isn't, I'm not isn't sure skepticism that's exactly what I baked said, into Mr. science? Carson, we can talk about that shortly. But Is it under, appropriate to jail the guys from Enron? Was it appropriate to jail the people in the cigarette industry who promised it wasn't addictive? Etc. Okay. Look, my only point is, shouldn't we be encouraging people to ask honest questions, which I am doing, and you don't seem to have the answers to those questions. Okay. He doesn't. He absolutely doesn't. Game, set, match. Tucker Carlson. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Can I just make a request? Can I just, can we, can we as a, a community here, a production organization for this show, especially on Saturday mornings, can we not have promos talking about pumping Jeffy's stomach? 
run while people might be having breakfast? Can we just please, for the love of all that is holy and, and decent, can we not talk about pumping Jeffy's stomach? Much less having children do it. It's just, it's just, it's just wrong on so many levels. Before we went away, we, we've been talking this hour about many things. And yeah, the world is still there. And it's, uh, there are some parts of it on fire. We'll get to that. But we're talking about this chunk of ice that CNN is absolutely freaking out with. The chunk of ice on the Larson ice shelf that's about to fall off and, and what it means. And, uh, you know, I've got some, some interesting thoughts on it. And I'm sharing them with you. But this audience, which again, the smartest and actually most gracious audience I've ever run into, um, reminded me, Donna reminded me, that Frederick Tudor of Boston pondered iceberg harvesting and made money in the ice business. Not only did Frederick Tudor do this, Frederick Tudor did it after multiple failures. Frederick Tudor, in the middle of the 1800s, an American entrepreneur, said, you know what we ought to do? We should take all of this ice in these ponds. We could, we could get giant chunks of ice and put it on a boat and ship it down to the, the Caribbean where people don't have ice. Remember, refrigeration, not exactly a thing in the early part of the 1800s. So he got a bunch of folks to cut up some of Walden's pond and put it on a boat. And they, they lost money the first couple of times. He even ended up uh, in, in what they called debtor's prison. But he's a guy who persisted. And ultimately, Frederick Tudor became known as the Ice King. He, he pioneered new ways to cut the ice and put it on ships and take it to places all around the world, not just to the Mediterranean, not, or not uh, to the Caribbean, not just to places in Cuba. But he took it everywhere. And his technique of harvesting the ice made it possible to bring natural ice all over the world. Suddenly, ice was a thing. Like cotton. He died a millionaire at the age of 80 in 1864. He also, if you've ever seen what's known as... Um, Canton, China. If you've seen Canton, China, it's a, a frequently a blue and white. It's not flow blue China. It's blue and white patterns. Canton, China. Canton, China exists because of people like Frederick Tudor and Freddie Tudor who, who pioneered trading ice in China. They would take ships of ice just like they took them to different places in, in the world. They took ships of ice to China. And when they got to China with the ice, they sold it, but had nothing to bring, nothing, no ballast to bring back the ship. It would have been a difficult voyage. So the Chinese gave them all this pottery. And it, at the time, it wasn't that valuable. Nobody really cared about it. It was basic pottery. It's now known as Canton, China. Look up the cost of Canton, China. The Tudor family had one of the best collections of Canton, China in this country. Some of the serving dishes are worth 
thousands of dollars. The Tudor family also gave us Frederick's granddaughter, Tasha Tudor, the most prolific painter of children's art in American history. And I think she might be the most prolific illustrator in American history. Tasha's gone now, but I actually worked with Tasha Tudor. Tasha showed us her Canton collection and told us the stories of her grandfather bringing ice to China and having no ballast to bring back other than this cheap pottery that became worth another fortune. There's more to this and we'll cover it all. Come on back. Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network.